This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey IDP Army, ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What is up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, and we are back again with another episode of the IDP Army podcast, where we are, of course, talking mostly IDP, all fantasy football, and I'm joined tonight by a very special guest, uh, a friend of the show, Jeff Bell, on Twitter, for whom the bell tolls of the, the Devi Royale of fantasy pros of the football guys. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic, Jordan. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I've seen you on Twitter. We've talked on Twitter. And so I'm very grateful for the opportunity to get in and, and talk on a live stream with you. Yes, sir. All right, we're going to hit this intro and then we are going to pop it off. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. All right, we are back and tonight. We are going to be talking, um, you know, don't 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 shoot the messenger. We're going to be talking negatively, okay? We're going to be talking about some guys that we're not huge fans of. We're not trying to get on our teams. Uh, what's what's Paulie D say? Avoid the grenades, all right? We don't want you guys to come out of your fantasy draft with grenades. Fuck up your season. Jeff and I are going to tell you some of the guys we are fading this year. Um, but before we get to that, Jeff, uh, tell everybody, I know I saw you have an actual article series where you had some guys you were fading. Um, you want to tell people where to find those? Yeah, so most of my written content has gone out through Fantasy Pros, and you just find me on Twitter at for, who, for whom J Bell tolls. You can find my links to Fantasy Pros through there. And then I just had a couple articles come out through Football Guys, a spotlight on Mark Andrews, and then a little bit of a spotlight on Travis Etienne coming into the league. So some content there, written content, Fantasy Pros. Check out my show Tuesday nights at 930, the Debbie Royale. I do that with Christian Williams and with Kevin Coleman. And it's just a great time. We talk about Debbie football. And so 
touch Jordan's world just a little bit, not very much, but um, certainly not like he's doing and creating this fantastic content out here. Yeah, you told me this year you're actually you were recently just finishing up an IDP draft. So before we talk about our fades, I want to hear about this team of yours. Tell me uh, who are your three or four best players or who how did the draft go for you? Tell me about it. Sure, I'll talk about my IDP guys. So I got Joey Bosa as my defensive lineman. I got um, Roquan Smith as my linebacker. I got Landon Collins as my DB. I got Davis out of a linebacker from the Saints. And then um, Justin Simmons is on my squad. And so who else do I have? I've got uh, Jamin Davis and then uh, Micah Parsons is uh, my, my defensive roster. That's what's up. I hope you're playing IDP one, two, three scoring. But if you're not, I won't, you know, I won't, won't hurt my feelings too we, much. We are. We talked about it. I am. There we so, go. All right. All right. I, well, I, I used I put... your fantasy pros ranks a little bit too to help me out. So, well, shit. That's why your team's so good right there. Roquan Smith, he's a beast. You said Bosa's a beast. Jamin Davis is another guy I've been rising on a lot this, this kind of as the offseason process has continued on. Um, and Justin Simmons, too. He's always, I mean, he's just a perennial top 10 guy, defensive back. I'm a huge um, Jabril Pepper stand, though. I usually try to leave my drafts with some JP. Okay. Yeah, yes, I'm, I've obviously yeah. missed him, but. Hey, it's okay. You can you can uh, probably trade for him because there's a lot of people in the IDP community that love to just dump on him um, for whatever reason. So uh, if the other people are listening to that guy, then you swoop in and get that. Um, all right, well, let's see here. We're talking fades, so we're going to be talking some guys that are probably going to be on some of your dynasty teams. That doesn't mean we don't like them in dynasty. We're just talking right now. You know, we're looking at our draft season. We're doing our underdog drafts. You know, some of these guys are just a little too rich for our blood. Maybe we just don't like them in ADP, and maybe they're just guys we don't like. You know, in fantasy football, I just don't like having players that I don't like on my teams. So that's just kind of a general stance I have. So there's some players. I just I just fade, you know, either I've been burnt in the past or it's on a team that I necessarily don't like or just whatever it may be. So we have a handful of guys here. I'm going to go ahead and start with my my top guy, the guy I'll probably get the most hate for. Um, but it's Jamar Chase. Right now he's coming in at wide receiver 27. I just looked on Fantasy Pros half PPR consensus before this. Um and my reasoning is pretty simple on this. You know, it's it's the rookie wide receiver thing. I, the last couple of years we've been so spoiled with some really good rookie wide receiver production that we've kind of raised the bar for what that's going to be. And I feel like that can be said of Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, um, especially with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, two guys that have already shown they can do it. And with everybody calling for the increased usage of Joe Mixon, it just feels like Jamar Chase, even if he is the one or two, he still is just a rookie. And I know there is the rapport there, but I just have to, say that you know when it comes push comes to shove there are guys in that area you know wide receiver 26 i mean you're taking him over chase claypool you're taking him essentially where you would take brandon Ayuk. tyler lockett is in that area these are known commodities um and you're telling me to take a rookie wide receiver he's a little he's a he's a fade for me do you what are, what are your thoughts on uh jamar chase at wide receiver 26 so my redraft concern is he didn't play football last year. And so we're kind of in some uncharted territory with the opt-outs last year. And certainly he was training, getting ready to go to the league and learning everything that he could, but missing that year 
not only that, I think T Higgins is primed to break out. I think he's a special player and we saw the glimpses last year and it sounds like the practice reports he's there. I, I like chase, but man, yeah, at that ADP, you know, you're, you're really counting on him to be your wide receiver too in a lot of builds. And that gets, that's getting aggressive on a guy that sat out a year and is going to be a rookie and potentially could be the, seeing the top defensive attention. Yeah, you're right. And you, to think, you know, at wide receiver 26, you essentially have to play him week one. I'm not ever confident playing a rookie unless it's a running back week one, personally. Um, it just, it's 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 risky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and to what you said, you know, he, whoa, what the heck? <laughs> he has sat out some time. Oh, TikTok, love it. Um, you're all right, good, so that, yeah, you're all good. Uh, there's Chase Jamar Chase for you guys. All right, you had Justin Herbert. Now, this is gonna probably uh, this is gonna be a fun ride. Tell me why you're fading Justin Herbert. I saw in your article, I think, at the point when you wrote that he was consensus quarterback six, yeah, He's quarterback eight. Now, does that change your feelings at all? Yeah, that does change my feelings a little bit. Um, when I when I had written that quarterbacks to avoid him sitting at quarterback six. I think people look at the tool set and certainly he could be that guy that has the rushing floor. Just, we haven't seen it yet. And so he's going to be a second year guy. He's going into a brand new offensive system, a new head coach, new head, new offensive coordinator. He's got all the physical tools and he's got great talent around him where my concern earlier in the season. And certainly with Aaron Rodgers' news that should have changed things because Aaron Rodgers should be getting drafted above Justin Herbert and where Justin Herbert was getting drafted a couple weeks ago or even a week ago prior to that Aaron Rodgers news. It was one of those that if you missed on the the top five, and I think we all can agree that there's pretty much a top five right now. And and maybe you don't like one of those guys, but you, you have a good feeling about those. It seemed like everybody was grabbing him right away, very close to, as a six guy. And maybe it's the type of thing where we're moving out of the dynasty mindset and people that were doing the dynasty drafts and especially people that are in the dynasty world doing a redraft or doing a best ball draft, still having that dynasty mindset, but then also the Aaron Rodgers news coming in, changing the landscape in that regard. You should be drafting Aaron Rodgers above Justin Herbert. Yeah, I agree. You know, when when it comes down to it, it always for me comes, you know, to the known again, the known talent and production. We've seen Aaron Rodgers not only have a successful career, but an elite successful career, but an elite fantasy career as well, capping it off with the most recent memory bias we have of him being the MVP. Uh yeah, I did catch a little flack too in my rankings. I think I had him at like well quarterback nine or ten uh earlier this week. All the news came through. I think I've moved him up to Seven, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. I probably need to move him up a little bit more, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I think you're you're you make a fair point on Justin Herbert. I have noticed this year, and maybe it is the best ball drafts, but it seems like people are kind of sprinkling in their quarterbacks and tight ends through the entire draft. Whereas I feel, you know, as little as three, four years ago, it was late round tight end, late round quarterback was pretty much consensus. Where you know. I was just thinking the other day, you know, you took Greg Olson and um, Jordan Reed, you know, those guys in those years when Gronk was a first round pick in like round six. Now we're taking the second and third best tight ends in round two, three, four. You know, sometimes we're taking up to four tight ends. Um, the, the the game has changed. The, the, and and I think fading quarterbacks, even the young good ones, is a smart is a smart decision. So and you're going to feel the, the urge to reach for Justin Herbert. 
Um, but I think, like you said, uh, you're going to be able to find more talented uh, position players there that are going to help you win some weeks. And you can plug in a Ryan Tannehill. You can get a Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins much later than you have to take Justin Herbert. So I like him as a fade there. Um, the third guy, speaking of tight ends, my third fade is George Kittle. Um, right now he's consensus tight end three. I've been fading him honestly since last year. I wrote a piece for Dynasty Nerds last summer where I said, and last summer, just we have such short memories, but last summer George Kittle was consensus tight end one in Dynasty and Redraft. Um, now he's like three or four for most people. I wrote a piece that I thought Kelsey was still the one. Uh, got a little pushback on that. But I've just never, George Kittle for me has always felt like the perfect marriage of opportunity uh, meets talent meet shit show team with nothing else to do. Um, and that's, and he was really thrust into this position of success and he grabbed it by the horns, but they've been building up that team the last year, year and a half. A lot of that time he has been out. Uh, he doesn't catch a lot of touchdowns. We already know that we've seen three, four years of him just not do that. That's not part of his game. And now we have Kyle Shanahan going out and taking a second-round wide receiver last year, a first-round wide receiver this year. He's also been trying to get other receivers, Jalen Hurd, Dante Pettis. It's not for lack of trying to not force the ball to George Kittle. So I just have concerns about him uh, when he's, you know, consistent tight end three right now. When I can get Mark Andrews, who in my, you know, in, in my mind has more touchdown equity and probably just as much yardage equity, all things being equal, if we are really assuming that, they become a wide receiver favorite team with Brandon Ayuk, who is getting gassed up constantly, and Debo Samuel, etc. Um, George Kittle is just a little too rich for me. What, what do you think about Kittle for this year? I, I am on. I am completely on board with you because I look at it as if you, who do you want the ball in their hands? You want the ball in Brandon Ayuk, and you want the ball in Debo Samuel's hands versus George Kittle. George Kittle's solid after the run, but his injury history. And versus what these wide receivers can do if you get them in space and you, you scheme up. We saw how they used Debo Samuel out of the backfield last year. Get him the ball while he's moving and he's able to take it upfield on, on wheels and things that are typically reserved for running backs. And so I look at this offense, you look at the playoff run in 2019, and they really phased George Kittle out of the offense then. And, and George, he was hurt, but they had so much success and they made it all the way to the Super Bowl without featuring him. And I think it threw the like the three, four playoff games that they were in, I don't know that he even crossed 100 yards through the entire tie, through the entire length of the playoffs. And so it's one of those that if they're good, you, you're going to want to have them on the field. And so you're kind of, I would think as a coach, you're going to kind of scheme to be able to preserve that playing ability to have them on the field even before you get into the injury history. And one of the, that's one of those things. He, I completely agree. I've been fading him all off season. I wrote an article about it months ago, fading him this off season. And I've got, I get pushback because people, people see the name George Kittle and they don't look at the whole picture and they say, well, you can't, you can't just assume injury. And I'm telling you that I'm not even assuming injury. I can see a path where he just doesn't have the equity that you think he's going to have. And I think you hit a great point with Mark Andrews. I see, I feel like they, Mark Andrews' usage last year was absolutely insane at the end of last year. They, like 35% of the passes through the end of last season were going to Mark Andrews. That offense was really flowing through Mark Andrews. And I see yep. Bateman coming in, and Bateman can take some of that. I don't know that Bateman is going to be 
and so you know, Chris, hopefully Christian's still watching. And I know Christian it, Bateman is kind of his Justin Jefferson for this year, and I could see it. But at the same time, I could see it being those easing him in and taking defensive attention away while Mark Andrews just eats over the middle of the field because that's a lot of what they did last year to scheme Mark Andrews free. Once Boyle went out, they went to more three wide receiver sets, spread the field more so that they weren't doubling him in the middle of the field. And he was, he was just feasting on guys. And so I think that that's one of those, that that's an easy pivot down. And then not only that, I am a Kyle Pitts truther. And I'll tell you that right now. And I just saw a news piece today that the Falcons are going to line him up all over formation. If they're using him in that Julio Jones, if they're not treating him as an inline tight end and they're just using him as an offensive playmaker and you're getting that as tight end eligibility in the third, in the fourth, fifth round, it's crazy to grab Kittle at the one, two, at the two, three turn when you can get a player like that two rounds later. I agree. I agree completely. There's just the difference between what I b- believe George Kittle is going to be, even his ceiling this year. I just even his ceiling this year is not what it's been in years past in my mind, and his floor is a lot lower. And you know, people have brought up the 49ers schedule; it's going to be so soft. Uh, I'm a huge Trey Sermon guy. I think he's going to tote the rock 200 plus times. I'm thinking 250. Um, and George Kittle is this amazing blocking tight end. I just don't see this. This is not going to be a team that feeds the ball through George Kittle this year. And at tight end three, I think it's folly. So um, we love George Kittle, the talent. We love him in dynasty. We know he's valuable in fantasy football. But at tight end three, I'm sticking to the late round tight end strategy. I'm going to try to catch the next Austin Hooper on the way up. I'm going to try to catch the next Robert Tanyan on the way up. You know who the next Robert Tanyan is. It's still Robert Tanyan, guys. Um, So go get him. You know, you can fade George Kittle a little bit, um, and you heard it here from us first. All right, we are going to take a super-duper-duper short break, and we will be right back. What's good, IDP Army? It's Jordan Reigns, and quickly I want to tell you guys today about the big project I've been working on, the Ultimate IDP Index. The Ultimate IDP Index is the number one resource for IDP fantasy football players, rookies or veterans for 2021. Inside, you're going to find contract information, tiered IDP rankings, detailed player production profiles going back to 2017, suggested trade values, and a whole lot more, including unique write-ups, unique videos that will only be available within the Ultimate IDP Index. But to me, probably the most valuable thing is the fact that the trade value estimation tool is going to be updated weekly. So you'll always be aware of what a player is worth in your dynasty league at any given moment. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for the IDP Army Patreon today. Patreon.com forward slash the IDP Army. Join the Black Ops tier and join the IDP Army today. All right, we are back. Shout out to the Patreons. Guys, go get the the uh, the, the Black Ops tier. Get in the Ultimate IDP Index. It's going to be dope in season. I got all kinds of updates in there that are going to be skewed towards, you know, actionable stuff all week long, updated. Um, it, it's going to be great. Jeff, I need to throw you in there, bro, so you can go win your, your IDP league on the house. Appreciate we'll that get, greatly. We'll get you set up. Um, all right, let's get back to our fades. Again, these are not players that we don't like. 
These are just players. Well, they could be, but they're players that we don't like for fantasy football this year. We think that the noise is getting just a little bit too loud. Uh, we think they are set up to maybe be a little less less successful than the narratives may have us believe. Uh, next guy on our list is a guy you brought forward, and I 100% agree with you on, and that is Mike Davis. Right now, fantasy pros consensus running back 23. Why is Mike Davis a fade for you? So my concern, we don't know how that backfield is going to shake out. And so there's certainly a situation, and, and I will readily admit, where Mike Davis could be the bell cow at this late stage in his career and shock everybody, and you're getting an insane value on him. At the same time, I think there's a very real scenario where that's just a committee that has a level of unpredictability that we don't know that – you know, he really strikes me as Jordan Howard last year, where Jordan Howard, it just felt like he's going to be the Miami guy because who else is it going to be? Well, maybe Matt Breida, but it's certainly got to be Jordan Howard. And then we come out and it's Miles Gaskin right out of the season. And Jordan Howard like, almost had no role. And so I think that we are just assuming that Mike Davis is going to be the guy because that's the name that we know. People, he's a guy that has got to be very careful when you're doing analysis and putting content out because I see a lot of people quote his year and numbers for receiving last year. But if you look at what happened with that Carolina offense, they really tried early in the season to leave him in that Christian McCaffrey role and get him eight, nine, ten targets a game when he first took over, and he disappeared out of that role towards the end of last year. They used Curtis Samuel in that role instead. They, they saw that he wasn't able to do that out of the backfield. And so I think there's a lot of people that I've seen that will be like, well, he was great catching the ball, and so they're going to use him to catch the ball, and they're just going to make him the bell cow. And, and they leaned on Derrick Henry and Arthur Smith offense before. I don't know that they would have leaned on Derrick Henry quite so hard last year if Darrington Evans didn't get hurt because they used the third round pick on him. He brought a different level of explosion and something else. And so I think I think there are a lot of false equivalencies that's happening to prop up Mike Davis's value. And I think that a lot of people are taking him, especially in a zero running back type build, and they're saying, "Well, I can I can not take running back early, and I'll just take Mike Davis, and he's going to give me the same production." The re reality of it is, you might have nothing. And I think that we. Most often when I look at redraft, and the guys that burn you the most are going to be those guys in that fourth, fifth, sixth round range like the Mike Davises that we've known that over the course of their career that they are a replacement level talent and we assume that they're stepping into this big role because we don't know that they're not. And so that is where you you look back at last year. Mark Ingram was much the same thing where we, we assumed, well, Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram, and he's going to have the main carries in, in Baltimore. And then all of a sudden he's gone, and he's just poof uh, in th into thin air. And so I think that that is the primary place that you could really get burnt because you need to still hit that spot. And that's that's where you differentiate. I look at rosters last year that got Stefan Diggs or, or Darren Waller in those picks versus somebody that took a Mark Ingram in that pick. And I just worry about this is not an upside play. This is you're no, trying to. Yeah. And so that's that's where I see it. I just think it's going to be more of a committee than what people realize. Yeah, more of a committee. And even if it's not, even if Mike Davis comes in to take that role, the role, whatever that is, the Todd Gurley role, he and Todd, Day Todd Gurley's seasons last year are almost identical, except he had twice as many targets. That's it. I mean, he had a handful more carries. But that's it. You know, it, it looks almost the same. So if you're telling me I'm going to get a Todd Gurley like season out of Mike Davis, why? I mean, I'm that's that's an easy fade. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. and that would be 
what that would be Mike Davis's best season of his career. I mean, you know, yeah, flat out. So there's nothing exciting about that. Like you said, he's replacement level. You know, he's going to be a guy that you're going to want on your bench at RB 23. That's a guy you have to play every week or you've already basically started losing. So he's a fave for both of us. I put he was in a he was a, I kind of talked down on him and uh, I did an Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons preview on the channel. Guys, go check that out. Um, you can go down in the comments of this to check out underdog. There's a link. You guys can go play underdog. You guys can. There's links to all kinds of stuff in the comments of this. So go check all that stuff out. Subscribe to the channel like the channel uh if you guys are listening on the podcast feed of this please go review our show because uh there's like a gazillion of you that listen and there's like 20 of you that have reviewed the show so don't make me don't make me come knocking on your door okay do me a, do me a solid go leave a five-star rating say some nice things i would super duper appreciate it so all right we're going to talk about our next fade and honestly um, I don't even know if you could really call him a fade. I put him on the fade list because, I mean, his draft position or ranking, whatever, uh, this is Michael Pittman, who I'm speaking about, wide receiver 49. I mean, he's just not a guy that I want on my teams. So that's maybe the best way to say it. Um, you know, even in that area of the draft, wide receiver 49, you know, Marvin Jones is in that area. He's sandwiched between Marvin Jones and Hollywood Brown. I would rather have both of those guys than Michael Pittman. I know what I'm getting with both of those players. You know what I mean? I'm getting a chance at a thousand yards, probably closer to like 850, but I'm also getting a chance at eight, nine touchdowns. You know, Michael Pittman, you can't, I mean, that's, that would be a great season for Michael Pittman. And that's kind of what we know we're going to get out of those guys. Corey Davis has some upside. He's in this area. Michael Gallup is in this area. So for me, it's not anything against Michael Pittman. He may end up on some of my teams next year. I may trade for him midseason. But I one, the Colts offense is not something I think anyone's excited about unless they're a Colts fan that's lying to themselves or a fantasy analyst that's trying to cling to the fact that Frank Reich is a good head coach and they have a great organization and all that good stuff. Um, but I got, a new, got news for you guys. It's not going to be pretty for the Colts this year. And I don't think that garbage time is going to be pretty either. I don't think it's going to be garbage time. Michael Pittens is going to be eating out here, pulling, uh, you know, 2015 Allen Robinson. It's going to be garbage time, like another three and out. That sucked. This game's over. <laughs> so Michael Pittman Jr., he's a fade for me until I see him do something meaningful on the field. When I see a good quarterback hit the field for this team, that, you know, that, that that's for me. I don't want Michael Pittman when I can get these other guys around him. Do you, do you have any thoughts on Michael Pittman? Yeah, absolutely. So I, the Colts wide receiver core, certainly there's a lot of uncertain, or uncertainty there. And I think Paris Campbell ate a lot of volume week one last year when he was healthy. They still like playing Zach Pascal, And I think Zach Pascal does non wide receiver things well. And so they like to have him out there. T.Y. Hilton's still there and he's still going to be on the field. And so that they have that just that rotation. And then my other concern too, Naeem Hines out of the backfield. And I think that that's a guy that people don't really understand because I think that they look at him playing with Phillip Rivers last year as well. Phillip Rivers is just going to dump him off to him, but they use him down the field. They use him as an offensive weapon down the field, and he is a real key role in their offense. And so I think that people viewed it as, well, Carson Wentz will scramble now, and so Naeem Himes will just disappear because they won't be dumping it off like with Philip Rivers. But that's just showing that they don't 
understand the way that they use Heinz creatively. And so there's just a lot of mouths to feed. And so to get to that scenario where Michael Pittman really breaks out and is a clear number one wide receiver difference maker, or even has, you know, you mentioned Hollywood Brown. I don't know that Pittman's going to have the capability to pop off and really shift a week like Hollywood Brown might. You know, he could catch two touchdowns for 65 yards each and drop a 35 point game and win you your your league when you're kind of plugging into that spot. And so I don't know that the upside is there for Pittman, and I don't know that he is going to shift into that primary one number one wide receiver. I think that you're just going to rotate guys. Yeah, I agree, and I'm you know I'm not a I'm not a data head. You know, I don't have spreadsheet powers. I'm not a model guy. I don't look at any of these websites. I watch football. I read tweets. I read information. And then I kind of just assess things as I see them. And when I look at Michael Pittman, when I watched him play last year, I saw nothing special. When I look at his stats, 40 receptions, 500 yards, played 13 games. And who was his competition last year? A busted T.Y. Hilton. I mean, it's the same guys that are going to be there this year. Yeah. Why couldn't he do it last year? Oh, he was hurt, whatever. Okay, like. In a world where I just said that I've been saying this the last couple of shows, but in a world where last summer, remember, everybody was saying we were going to have such a down year for rookies because they wouldn't have training camp and they were all going to suck. And we come out and we have some of the best rookie seasons offensively and defensively. We had some great rookie seasons. You know, I, when these guys can do it and guys in the NFL are showing quicker and quicker that they either get it or they don't get it. When I see guys like Brian Edwards, when I see guys like Jalen Rager, when I see guys like Michael Pittman, I, I, you're, it's a tough sell. You know what I mean? When I see other guys who people touted as not as good as them, be better than them, I just have to think he's got it. You know, you either have it or you don't. And I think in the NFL right now, that's kind of showing. And, you know, Michael Pittman is just I don't I don't see the upside that I that I even at wide receiver 49 there. I mean, I would never want to play him. Never. There's no, I mean, if I have to play Michael Pittman, I'm already screwed. That's kind of how I feel about it. So, and if I want to play Michael Pittman, I'm already screwed. So um, I get it. Yeah. And I mean, he could, he might prove us wrong, but Jeff, if I'm being honest, I don't think he will. So, all right. Our next guy on this list. Oh my gosh. How are miles uh, Gaskin and Mike Davis both on here is RB 23. I need to fix that real quick, but our next guy is, Miles Gaskin. Uh, he was someone you submitted for this. Let me find out what his actual running back uh, ranking is on Fantasy Pros real quick here. He is 22. No wonder they're right next to each other. Yeah. Oh, just a typo. So what do you not like about Miles Gaskin this year? Or why is he a fade for you? Well, I think you can make the same case with Mike Davis for Miles Gaskin. And the reality of it is we're not quite sure how the offensive touches are going to sh shake out there. Chan Gailey is a guy that he always liked having a bell cow back, and Chan Gailey is gone. And the new offensive coordinator has already talked about using running back rotations. But we saw Salvin Ahmed, he, he made plays when he came in. And we've seen Mal Malcolm Brown. He's Malcolm Brown, but he's still – steals work wherever he goes for some reason and then you know people want to get in on um you know maybe lynn bowden's taking some work out of the, the receiving work out of the backfield there's just way more mouths to feed and the other guy i want to mention too jared dokes coming in as the, the seventh round pick out of cincinnati he's a biz, big physical runner i just i just view the way that atlanta views the running back position in miami very similar where they, if you guys not cutting it, they're going to go to the, the hot hand. They don't put value on using a high draft pick on bringing a running back in or signing a real big name in free agency. They're going to put the hot hand guy in there. And so I think that people, 
Gaskin kind of was that last year, and, and when he came back from the injury, he seized the role again. But that was in a different offensive scheme. And so I think that what is happening with both Miles Gaskin and with Mike Davis are people are assuming they're kind of viewing them as the last safe running back too. And so if you're building your roster that way, I worry that you're getting yourself almost a false sense of security and you're not backing yourself up properly. And you're kind of thinking it as, well, he's going to get all the work in Miami. So I'm safe there. And so I can just wait and, and not, hit another running back in this position. And if you do that, you could get really burnt. Yeah, I, I would, I am inclined to agree with you to a degree. Um, I would say that I have a little bit more faith in Gaskin than Mike Davis, just because, and this is not to say that you're wrong, but I, Mike Davis, again, it's just, we have so many years of him just kind of being like, Mer. Um, I didn't have Gaskin on any teams, but I remember kind of the very hopeful feeling a lot of Gaskin owners or managers rather had early in the season. I remember seeing some of those dynasty trades go through and being, you know, thinking, well, what am I missing here? Um, because I think I was kind of missing something. Um, I don't have a super strong opinion on Gaskin. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. Um, but with the way that the offensive pieces have been falling left and right in Miami, we might be looking at a situation where it might be kind of like last year where, you know, he did get quite a few targets um, in the receiving game, which kind of, again, as I'm looking at it, 50, 47 targets, he only started seven games. That's pretty, that's a pretty good target share number. So if you're a PPR person, I can see why you would think that he would be buoyed there. But with my, again, with Miami's overall offensive situation, I definitely think that I'm kind of fade all Miami players right now, minus Tua. I just think that two is going to play all the games. And I think it, at some point you just have to kind of uh, take a starting quarterback with a little bit of upside. Yeah. If I get value on Will Fuller, cause we've seen him do it. And if he's on the field, but we've seen him be a borderline one, even last year, he was a borderline wide receiver yeah. one. And so yep. I think he's got the talent and the ability to do it. And if I get good value on Jalen Waddle, I'll do that as well. Just, you know, he's guys the sixth pick in the draft. And if he's going to slip, I'll place the chip on there. Other than that, I'm not really loving anything in the Miami offense just because it, it's one of those that I just think that the way I play fantasy football, if I view as a situation as uncertain, I want to get involved in that, but I want to get the cheapest option that I think is still a good option. I don't want to pay for the most expensive guy because you leave yourself open to get burnt there, whereas you can get value if you go the other way. Yep. Agreed. And he's going around some guys that I would much rather have. Josh Jacobs just within two rankings of him. Miles uh, Sanders within three. There's so even though those guys have their own question marks, there's so much more security, I feel like, in those players. And that's yeah. almost a whole tier. I mean, I would say they're not even the same tier. So, yeah, I, I can understand why if I don't get those guys right before that and I get to Miles Gaskin, I, I can see why that's a fade. Um, this next guy is one of my players i'm bringing forth that's javante williams all right now listen this is not again this is the dynasty people out there are going to come from my head all right but here are my arguments one objectively i've been told by the dynasty heads in the fantasy world that this was a subpar running back class so you're already working with the third best second third best running back in this class in a subpar class all right bingo number one two 
Melvin Gordon still got it, okay? And he's never not had it, all right? he's had, the, the issue with Melvin Gordon is he hasn't played all 16 games in a while. He did switch teams, but the touchdown equity for Melvin is always there. The pass-catching chops are there. The broken tackles are there. And he's a dog. I mean, he is not going to – this rookie is not going to come in and take this job away from him, and he's getting paid. Um, one of the most trusted – uh, reporters in the game, I guess Benjamin Albright just tweeted out like two days ago. He's like, you know, it's in all caps. He said it's pretty obvious that this is Melvin Gordon is the running back one on this team. People, you know, I've heard say, well, by the end of the season, he'll lose work to Javante or whatever, whatever. That's fine. But I mean, even if you're completely honest with yourself, what is the best case scenario for Javante Williams? I mean, is it J.K. Dobbins last year? You weren't super duper excited to necessarily start J.K. Dobbins all the time. And that's best case scenario. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen here. Um, I think his season could. I just think that there's a little bit too much hopefulness there. Um, you know, at running back 29, I'm still more excited to take a chance on like a James Robinson who's going after him. Um, that's pretty much like the only guy kind of after him that I'm super duper interested in. Trey Sermon, obviously, I'm a huge Trey Sermon guy. He's going like 10 picks later. But um I just the, the pathway for Javante Williams getting work, the kind of work that I think is going to justify that pick is a, like everyone says, if it does come, it's later in the season and he's got to earn it. Like it's not going to be given to him. So he's a fade for me. You're, you're kind of drafting a, a, a hope you're drafting hope in the middle rounds. And that's not what I want. I want a reliable p- player that I I've seen do it before. Um, you know, and how much upside are you really going to get with him? If you know, if you're a Denver Bronco, if you're watching the Denver Broncos offense, just give me Melvin Gordon, give me the cheap touchdowns, give me the cheap targets, give them to me. Yeah, there was a, a couple a week ago, basically, there was a scenario where I told myself that Javante Williams could be the steal of the draft because it, if Denver were to, there were some rumors that they would have been involved in Aaron Rodgers. And so if they were able to swing a trade for Aaron Rodgers and need to free up some cap room and Melvin Gordon goes, all of a sudden Javante Williams is this year's um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting drafted in the first round. And so that ship has sailed. And so that's one of those that you could have told yourself and, and sold yourself on that potentially happening. That's gone now. And so... Yeah, I completely agree with you where Melvin Gordon's going to be there. I think that one thing that I am worried about in this offense, they have a good defense. And so between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback, is it going to be more of a ball control? Like, let's try to win games by not losing games on offense and allow the defense to potentially win us games use these great wide receivers we have outside and then use our running back that we know with Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams kind of works in there and really where you're drafting him now, knowing that ship has kind of sailed on having that big value. He's, he's kind of a very expensive Tony Pollard or very expensive AJ Dillon, where you can get the, the same type of things tethered to a much better offense for several, several rounds worth of value value later. Yep. Yep, and what you're when you're buying Javante Williams at running back twenty nine, you're buying a projection. That's it. You know, you take five picks before that, you get Kareem Hunt. You're buying a known commodity. Five picks before that, who again is on a whole nother tier. He's led the league in rushing. We know he's got the chops. He's done it. He's on a team that wants to run first, etc. You know, Javante Williams. All you're buying when you're buying him in fantasy right now is a projection. Um, he could be a total bust. You know, we don't know that. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but 
again, it's it, you generally want to take the known talent and the commodity. You know, my the, the most obvious scenario for this for me with why I'm like Javante Williams is not what you want him to be is I remember drafting Derrick Henry um, after you know his rookie year and his second year too when Demarco Murray was there and. I was like, there's no way Derrick Henry doesn't take this job from DeMarco Murray. And then I proceeded to watch DeMarco Murray play subpar football all season long and still not lose his job to Derrick Henry. And I don't think that Melvin Gordon is going to play subpar football. So, I did, again, I just have a hard time believing that Javante Williams is just going to come take all this work. Um, and, you know, early in the season at RB29, I just, yeah, I just, in redraft, I have no real interest in him. Yeah, and I think too, it's are you even going to get him at running back 29? Is part of from what I've seen because it's one of those that everybody's kind of told themselves that Melvin Gordon is cooked. And especially if you're in the dynasty community, you're not going to be drafting an older running back. So people are telling themselves, well, Melvin Gordon's cooked. I'm going to get Javante Williams and he's going to be the explosion rookie that's going to change change the values and and again i i said i i saw a scenario where that happens but i think that that ship has sailed absent denver getting involved and in trading for deshaun watson and having to cut melvin gordon because of that uh, yeah otherwise Mel- you know i just don't again i think you hit great points there yeah and it's melvin is only two spots before that so again another known commodity the actual guy who has this job you don't have to take him two running back spots before javante williams like at the cost, just again, give me what I give me what I know, um, give me who I've seen do it before. And right now, at Fantasy Pros consensus running back twenty seven. I mean, I've been looking at Fantasy Pros consensus rankings, and I'm getting a headache with some of these guys' um, rankings. That's crazy to me that he's that low. Trey Sermon, y'all should be ashamed of yourself down there at running back thirty eight. Shame on y'all. Shame on y'all. All right, tell us why to fade. Dallas Goddard at tight end seven. Tell the people what they need to know. Zach Ertz is an eagle. <laughs> you know, it's we've been it's been one of those things like every single hey, you know, they're going to trade him at the draft. They're going to trade him in free agency. They're going to trade him the moment that they can. They're going to release him when camp opens. They're going to release him after June 1st. Zach Ertz is an eagle. And I don't think that they are getting the offers that they would want for Zach Ertz. That's why he's an eagle. But he's under contract, and so they're going to play him because he's on the roster. And, and if he is any ne- anywhere near, you know, we, we're just like completely throwing him out off of one bad year. And he's still early thirties. It was one of those that he got hurt. He came mm-hmm. in with a contract problem. It was one of those that every single check mark that you could come up with for coming in and just having a terrible year, he hit every single box. And so. This guy, early 30s, the team is going to be incentivized to play him to up his trade value potentially at the trade deadline or after the season get a comp pick for him. And so they're not going to sit Zach Ertz and just leave him on the sideline and play Dallas Goddard. And that's what you need to happen. If you're drafting Dallas Goddard at tight end seven, you need him to be the starting tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles and really eating a lot of value volume off that offense. And so when I look at where Zach Ertz is currently being valued, I almost look at, I think the Eagles might be the situation where we're just wrong with our projections on the targets because taking him out of projections or valuing him in like 16th, 17th round that I've seen in some of the drafts that I've done recently seems wild to me that, yeah, he's older and and certainly he got hurt last year. And certainly guys can fall off the cliff. And 
he may very well might be a case where he just can't play anymore. And that might be, that's fine, but I'm not going to invest on Titan seven Dallas Goddard on that being the case. Whereas again, I think you can have a very real case where he just had one bad year. Yeah. Yeah. Titan seven is rich, especially when, you know, we have questions. I mean, the quarterback's going to be good for fantasy. Yeah, that let's move past that. Is he going to be good for the people on this team that are himself for fantasy? Yeah. And, you know, does that trickle down to the tight end too? You know, uh, pass catching option, what, three, four? I mean, is Jalen Hurts going to be that prolific that Dallas Goddard is a top eight tight end? No. This has got Hayden Hurst written all over it for me. That's way too high for Dallas Goddard. I agree with you 100%. Um, I don't have any more fades. I have a couple of guys for the people that are watching that I think are going to be uh, helpful for you to win your championships. I'll just rattle them off. Obviously, I'm a huge Trey Sermon guy. I'm way above consensus on him. I think there's a legitimate chance, again, that he gets 300-plus touches. He's got a soft-ass schedule. Raheem Mostert has one 100-yard rushing game in the NFL been in the nfl five seasons he's been on the san francisco 49ers all of them um i mean matt Breida had like 20 starts with raheem mostert bumping around michael hasty's had like a dozen starts i mean basically everybody on the team except raheem mostert got started until they all got hurt then raheem mostert got some starts and then they drafted trey sermon go look at what kyle shanahan did with alfred morris Devonte freeman and carlos hyde when he rolled into town um, with San Francisco, uh, 225, 230 carries, 70 targets for Carlos Hyde. Turned him into RB13, I think. Trey Sermon is going to – Trey Sermon is way too cheap right now. And then my other guy is Austin Hooper. He's going to probably get 90 targets at tight end. And people are out here drafting Juanu Smith and Hunter Henry, you know, guys that are going to get 50, 60 targets maybe. Adam Troutman, he's probably going to get – 35 40 and people are just letting austin hooper go completely undrafted right now in a system where stefanski the first thing this guy does you know is goes out and gets another great tight end because he wants to use him he still managed to get 70 targets last year after having he had meniscus surgery so um those are two players i think can help people win championships at their adp right now um you got anybody that you're like kind of stocking up on because i've been stocking up on both those guys all off season well, I feel like you, you just ball, all of them. You just slipped my throat before you even got started there because Janu is a guy that I really like. Where I, I think he's going to be the featured piece of that New England offense. You know, they spent all the money in, on him in free agency. We've seen him be productive. We saw the, through the first month of last season he was tight end five when they were going through him with with AJ Brown out of the lineup. And so I view him as a guy that they're going to move all over formation and scheme up ways to be the number one receiver for the Patriots. And if you're going to get a tight end late, that is going to be, you can tell yourself is going to be the number one receiving option for an offense. I don't care if it's Cam Newton throwing them the ball, he's going to get value and he's going to repay his ADP. And so that's a guy that um, I, I agree with your case on Hooper. And that's a guy that I've been grabbing late. He's been going too late, but John Smith has been a guy that I've really targeted all off season and, and loaded up on. Can I play the devil's advocate with you for just a moment? Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, so why Juanu? I'm assuming if you're pro-Juanu, you're pro-Juanu over Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, uh, Hunter Henry, I, I'm old enough to remember. I've been playing fantasy long enough, guys. I remember when Hunter Henry 
was uh, around before O.J. Howard. And I remember when O.J. Howard was around before Hawkinson. I remember when Hawkinson was around before Kyle Pitts. There's always one. There's one every year, okay? There's a unicorn tight end every year. Don't let them tell you there's not. Hunter Henry was that guy for a minute. Evan Ingram, he was another one. Um, 93 targets last year, 76 the year before, both abbreviated seasons. We know his pass-catching chops are there in a way that Juanus, yet while he was fantasy productive, was a useful fantasy producer still, you know, and I guess the offense was less pass heavy, et cetera, but he still didn't command those kind of targets. And he hasn't really ever been billed as like the next Gronk type of, you know, pass catching tight end. Um, are you, what's your level of concern that Hunter Henry ends up being the more favored tight end here? Well, I, First, I'm going to say follow the money. And and they signed similar contracts, but they gave Johnu, I believe they gave him an extra year or two. But they, more importantly, they signed him first. They signed him right away and they made sure that he got done. And then they followed up and got Henry afterwards. And that tells me that he was the guy that was prioritized because they have the specific role in mind. I, I just think that athletically, he's more gifted than Hunter Henry. I think. Yeah. But the thing of it, too, is depending on how you're playing tight end, if you're going late tight end, they're landing in spot where you can take them both and however it plays out for you. And I know I'm old enough. You talk about old stories. I'm old enough to remember way back in the day when Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez were the primary receiving options for the Patriots. And if you took both, like because there was so much buzz about these young guys in camp having this role and running 12 formation. I had friends, like I had teams that I took both of them on and you, they were legitimate flex plays. And I don't think that Henry or Johnu would get to that point, but you are doubling down, you're backing up. And, and so it is landing late enough that you can afford to do that if you don't take a tight end earlier. And that's kind of your path to get into the tight end. And I've done it in a couple of best balls where I've just taken both of them because that's where the value has fallen. So if I'm wrong, you know, you can hedge your bet a little bit there. But again, I just go back to who did they sign first? Who did they prioritize? Who did they give a longer contract to? And it all lands on Janu. Fair. Yeah. And uh, our peers reflect that in the fantasy pros consensus. He is tight end 14. They have Hunter Henry at 17. So, yeah, I guess. That's compelling. In my mind, I've been I have don't have either of them, but I have been just kind of subconsciously i guess favoring hunter henry but follow the money and i'm a big um you know i'm a big fan of you know the the quantitative and qualitative parts of fantasy football analysis i know dave put out a tweet dave dave's always out here putting out these crazy tweets but he got one yesterday what was it and i mean it made sense you know he's like fantasy is not just a numbers game he's like and uh, i saw he got some flack and i don't know if he necessarily articulated it as perfectly as he wanted to but i definitely got the message and it's easy to hide behind the the well 0.6% of the time, you know, 60% of the time this is right because this time it was wrong. It was still wrong. You know, there is quantitative and qualitative analysis that goes into this game. The best people do both. And, you know, I feel like, especially on Twitter, it's so easy just to put up a spreadsheet, put up a list of numbers, you know, and it, not necessarily that stuff is easy, but it's easy to put that up and say, this is my reasoning. And it's justified because, I created this thing that says it's justified. Um, there is reading between the lines. There is, you know, there's nuance to this game. And some of the best people that do fantasy analysis are the ones who are able to, you know, I I, I call myself like a curator. Like 
I'm just constantly soaking in information. I'm filtering it. And then I'm just pushing it right back out to my audience, you know, my people that listen to me. And I'm just saying, this is what, after I look at all this stuff and it goes in one ear and out the other, this is what I see, you know? So it's, it, it was, it's good information on the Hunter and Juanu thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I'll probably have to go mess with my rankings a little bit because you're right. Follow the money and Juanu has backfield appeal or back. You know, I've, he has some good runs. He's good run after the catch guy, too. So if they're on this team, that's Cam Newton's our quarterback it's probably going to be a little goofy, you know, so I can imagine yes. I it wouldn't shock me if we end the season with Juanu Smith with like 40 carries. No. So. Uh, well, yeah, there's something crazy where he sneaks in four goal line touchdowns. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and something like that, especially we see tight end can be so clustered. It there's just it just feels like the value that he's landing the, relative to the guys around him. I can tell myself the story where he's a top five tight end, a lot easier than a lot of the other guys that are going around him. And yeah. Dave's tweet was great. Um, I, I am of the belief that fantasy football is not quite as hard as we make it sometimes. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, and, and I, you can't teach into intuition, but I think that that's a lot of value to be, you know, you kind of get teach, it. You, you can't play teach discernment either, you know, and that's again, right. that's why you have to find the right people to follow. Again, that's, I hope that people when they follow my and we talked about this before we came on air. That's why my timeline, it's it's only I don't, you know, I'm not in these retweet groups or anything. My timeline is stuff that I think people should see. That's it. I want people to come to my where I am and I see information that I think is important. You know, it's curated in a way that this is hopefully going to help you win. Um, you know, and that's you know, it's so easy. I call the nights of summer it's so easy to be right, you know, now. Most so many content creators win January to August, you know, and I just tweeted this out the other day. And then, you know, six, seven weeks into the season, you're in leagues with them. And they're not starting their lineups. You know, they're only playing in the leagues. They know they're going to win. They're blowing it up. And they're suddenly, well, I'm busy getting ready for next year. It's like next year we got 12 weeks left of fantasy. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, like, so find the right people. Find good information. It's out there. Um, obviously, Jeff knows some good peeps. I know a few peeps out here in the, these, these Twitter streets as well. Um, any other players before we, we let you out of here and thank you again for your time. It's really been awesome chopping it up. Anybody else that you think has season winning upside that is not getting gassed up the way they should let the people know before we get out of here. He's starting to, I really like Darnell Mooney, man. I, I think, I just think he's good. He, he's just a good football player and he got, I think he's 98 targets last year. He, they used him so much more than what people realize He's a guy that he's landing. He's he's starting to go up, but at the same time, like I don't know where his ADP is sitting right now with with fantasy pros. But I feel like you can get him as like your late like wide receiver three, wide receiver four, and there is just you can tell yourself a story where Justin Fields comes in, that offense clicks. He's a good explosive football player. They scheme up ways to get him the ball in space, like we saw at the end of last year. Plus those splash plays that he missed last year because Nick Foles couldn't hit the broadside of the barn and he was wide open after burning Jalen Ramsey. It, he's he's starting to get a lot of heat, but that is a guy that I just think could completely pop and really have like some of these weeks that you you know you're kind of buying him as your wide receiver four, and all of a sudden this dude's just dropping 35 points and swinging weeks for you. I am with you to the bitter end there, and I can say that with. Telling you this early in the offseason when I saw the Darnell Mooney, you know, there was some early offseason hype. I was just rolling my eyes so hard. I was like, please, or we're just it's we're just digging too deep. But I'm 
I'm starting. I'm a believer now because I, I actually paid attention. I looked into him a little bit more. He kept coming up. Um, don't love the Bears, their situation, but what I saw from him, and again, it's one of those things where I'm not a talent evaluator like some of these people are, but I've learned to kind of trust myself. So, again, it was kind of those things where like, I saw people talking him up a little bit early in the offseason. I was like, well, I didn't see him do anything, so he must not have done anything. And then I was like, well, I'll go watch again. I was like, okay, well, I wasn't paying enough attention. That's the problem here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's, going, he's going after Pittman, too, wide receiver 52. Yeah. So That's crazy. I mean, the upside that he has and he presents, like you said, and with the target share he already commanded as a rookie, that was the thing that got me. When I saw the numbers he did as a rookie, mm. you know, and people are still out here trying to, like, save their Brian Edwards shares and their Jalen Regger share. I'm like, no. Like, again, give me a guy who's done something. Well, and it's one of those two that we kind of have the player in our mind of this. This is just fast and you can just run nine routes with him and he'll clear out defense and occasionally catch the ball. This is a football player. And, and there is a difference between just a wide receiver that's out there that can run a four two and clear the top out of a defense versus a guy that he will he will get his nose dirty. He's not afraid. Amen, amen. And uh, playing second fiddle to uh, Allen Robinson, who does command double coverage from time to time, makes your life a little bit easier. And now that David Montgomery's got his swag on, you know, open things up a little bit for him. So bullish on the Bears today on the show. All right. Well, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girl, everyone who's still out there watching, we appreciate you. Join the IDP Army Patreon. If you don't do that, like this show. Go leave us a review on iTunes, all that stuff. Follow Jeff at For Whom the Bell Tolls. Listen to his Debbie shows. Read his articles on Fantasy Pros and Football Guys. Jeff, any last words before we, we roll out? Jordan, thank you so much for the opportunity. You know, you're somebody that I, I really expect your respect your opinion. We've had some talks offline, and, and so I'm grateful for the chance to get in here and really talk with you. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate, I'm glad this happened. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, Twitter is not always a kind place, but you are a kind person out there. A good person to follow guys. Make sure you're following him. We're going to win you some championships this season, IDP army. And I will be back in. Oh, I have, a, I have a show in two days. Marvin eloquent from the ballers and dynasty nerds. We're coming on. We're talking our top 24 wide receivers. You are not going to want to miss that Marv big cereal. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right. We'll see you guys later. Let the rain hit the sand. Build a house on a rock, got a plan. Gotta get stocks, keep them bands. Hit the clock, tick blades on a fan. Used to be mundane on a Monday. Now you have fun day on a Sunday. Cause you switching it up and you living it up. You ain't getting enough.